Hi, Tea Crew, and welcome to a brand new episode of Tea Talk with Shaw. Today, we're going to be talking about all the trending topics all over social media and the internet, and we're also going to be doing a deep dive into sisterhood, so you're not going to want to miss this one. Stay tuned. Okay, Tea Crew, let's get right into these trending topics. So the first one, Usher Bucks. Um, Apparently, Usher was at a strip club over the weekend tipping with fake custom money that he had printed that looks like real $100 bills, but it actually has his face on it, and it's called Usher Money. And then, you know, of course, if you ever make fake money, you have to put on the bottom of it, this is not real currency. So he's going to the club, he's throwing this fake money, people are thinking they're getting tipped out the, you know, out the butt, basically, you know what I'm saying? They're making a lot of money, the money's flowing, they're dancing, you know, they're just performing, they're, this is their job, you know? So that basically, you know, really angered a lot of the dancers that were working that night. And it's basically like going somewhere and tipping like for your food or any any other place you would tip with fake cash. So they were definitely calling Usher out. Usher basically hasn't said anything or released a statement, but it got worse as the day went on because former dancers that have worked with Usher in his music videos and on tour said they were paid with Usher bucks as well. Basically saying in a roundabout way, they were not paid for appearing in his music videos and that they were not paid for going on tour with him as backup dancers. Um, And then, you know, the internet just dragged him, all types of meme pages. Like, remember those rush cards? They were calling them ush cards and stuff like that. Um, And now it looks like he's getting um, put out there as a person who does not pay his dancers, which is crazy because Usher made so much of his money dancing. I mean, he was known for, you know, being a smooth singer, but he was also known for his performance skills and being able to get out there on the dance floor. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Usher has to say. Now, this is what I would do, Usher. Hope you're listening. (laughs) We're going to put those vibes into the world that Usher listens to T-Talk. But, um... I would go ahead, write that strip club a nice fat check and make sure it goes not only to the house, but the dancers and just smooth everything over. You know, you have the money. I don't know if this was a joke or if you just thought it would be cute to throw your own money. Like, I don't know why he would do something like this, but cut the check and then go back and cut the check to these dancers. I mean, it's not too hard to find out who these people are that weren't paid. You definitely have the money. I mean, I just don't understand why you want your name to get slammed all over the media. So I would prefer, I think you would too, to just get out there and do what you need to do and clear yourself of these debts because um, that's not cool. That's how people eat, especially if you're dancing all night you know, you're waiting to get tipped out, they're counting up the money, and then they find out a big percentage of the money from the VIP section is fake. I mean, I can't imagine dancing till two or three in the morning, and then finding out that the payday that I thought I was getting for working all night long, a percentage of it is fake with Usher's face on it. Like, I just would be so mortified. Um, And I'm glad these girls called him out on it and I'm sure they'll make YouTube videos and all the rest. So we'll get more details on what happened. But yeah, I think people should be called out when they do things like that because 
you're getting a service, you should pay for that service. And if you don't want to pay for it, there's always the option of not tipping or staying home. I mean, it is what it is. All right. So the next topic, um, Patrice Khan Collars, the co-founder of one of the biggest chapters of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, the New York chapter, has been alleged to be using the funds for personal gain. The other members of the chapter noticed that there were sums of money um, missing and there was just no excuse for where the money was going. There was no paper trail to where the money was going. And that just basically started the allegations that Patrice was using the funds for personal gain. This is how I feel about that. People can be very passionate about something, especially when it comes to a movement like Black Lives Matter and still not be good with finances and not be good with money. Somebody being the co-founder or one of the beginning members of a chapter, I understand when you form an organization, you don't always have the time to make a separate bank account. And it's like, you know, when things start, things start fast. So you start to use your own money. You start to, you know, commingle the funds in one bank account or whatever. But as soon as the movement was large enough to sustain itself like it is now, there should have definitely been a separation of funds. And every time you use your personal money and it's not a gift and you expect to be paid back, you need to put that in writing. Because I'm sure if I had to guess what happened is Patrice in the beginning of this movement put a lot of her personal funds into Black Lives Matter when it was still in its infancy and it was still growing. And she believed in the cause and she put a lot of her personal funds in the cause. And then when, you know, we're in a pandemic still, you know, she fell on hard times. She thought she could go back and just take a few dollars out of the account because of the money that she's put in. It doesn't work like that. You know, if you expect to be paid back, you got to keep your receipts and you got to get that money, you know, back from the business account as soon as it's available and pay yourself back and have a paper trail. But you can't just hit hard times and then go back and start dipping in the till because, you know, that is, that is not proper when you're using the funds of people donating money and stuff like that. And especially with a cause like Black Lives Matter, I mean, it's always being slammed against, it's being called a terrorist group and everything else. You don't want something improper going on with Black Lives Matter money because that's just the ammunition they need for people to stop donating and stop supporting the cause. And it's definitely a cause that needs to continue on. You know, you feel me? So... I hope that these allegations against Patrice are untrue, or even if they are, that she can clear everything up and that she's been keeping her receipts to know what she spent in the past. And, you know, maybe she was holding some of the money to break even, but whatever the case, I just hope they clear it up because this is not the kind of confusion we need in the movement right now. Um, the next story, remembering DMX, um, I know we talked about last week, uh, DMX being in critical condition. And um, he did end up passing away <clears throat> at 50 years old. Um, 
his hometown of Yonkers plans on giving him a street to memorialize him um, in his name. And they also want to do a tribute at the big Yonkers Raceway. So they're going to have his fans come there. And his fans have just been, you know, so loyal to him, staying to the hospital, you know, until the body was released. And just the outpouring of love, the different stories um, that people have come forth and told about DMX and how he personally touched so many lives. Um, he's such a interesting person and at the same time he's such a hip-hop legend a person that definitely stayed true to his craft he was so intelligent he was so smart and calculated but at the same time at the core he was such a good person and a, a good father um to his kids and somebody who really cared about his children I mean I know that they've had their problems in the past but you could just tell how much he loved his kids I guess it's better to say um, so we will definitely be missing DMX. I know I was bumping DMX all weekend and just remembering the hits and like, um, how it felt to listen to that music. And I think that's just a testament to how amazing his music was a little girl in the suburbs, you know, with a pastor as a dad listening to the edited version. I remember we had to get the edited version of DMX and I was just like oh my gosh it was just so raw and it was just so different and I was just like I felt like a little rebel even listening to him but just that anybody could connect to his music is what I'm trying to say so um we hope he's resting peacefully and praying for his family um for their comfort and his friends and the rest of the Rough Riders um it's definitely a great loss especially at only 50 years old but I hope he's just getting the rest that he deserves and he's in a better place. We're going to move on to the next topic. Um, from death to life, literally. Nick Cannon announces his twins with Abby De La Rosa. Nick already has four children. Uh, Rock and Roll with Mariah, also twins. Golden with B-Bell and a daughter Powerful with B-Bell as well. Um, basically Nick Cannon's been in a little hot water ever since Valentine's Day 2020 when he surprised his girlfriend at the time, Jessica White, B-Bell, and I guess Abby. There was another woman that he gave them all the same Valentine's Day surprise. So he was kind of called out there. Um, but you know, this will be his fifth and sixth child. So he's starting to, um rack them up but at the end of the day he makes plenty of money and sometimes you know <laughs> it's a pandemic a lot of people are having kids I mean people have been home people have been bored people have been whatever so best of luck um with these children I just hope he finds like love you know what I mean I hope he finds a relationship with somebody who really loves and cares about him you know he is lupus and sometimes he has to battle that so I just hope he finds somebody who that really cares for him um and can hold him down and they can start to really build a relationship versus this like you know kid with somebody different every other year which you know no judgment but I'm just saying I don't I don't think he's found what he's looking for and that's why he's still searching so I just hope he finds that and uh safe delivery congrats to both on the expectancy of the boy twins that Abby is having Okay, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, finally, the stylist that styled Janet Jackson finally confirms the 2004 nip reveal was planned. 
So let's just take it all the way back to 2004. Um, Janet Jackson and um, Justin Timberlake had a MTV sponsored Super Bowl performance where there was a lyric that says, I'm going to have you naked by the end of this song. I like my singing. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and that's where Justin pulled down a strap that was meant, that was meant to be broken. And there was a pasty, Jan Jackson had a pasty over her nipple. And that's what was revealed on that lyric. I'm gonna have you naked by the end of the song. Right. So basically at the time, Jan Jackson was slammed for it. She was called every name in the book. They removed MTV from ever, you know, sponsoring the um, Super Bowl performance because people, you know, they just found it to be distasteful, whatever, whatever. So it was, you know, Jan Jackson had to come out immediately and apologize for everything. And they had to call it a wardrobe malfunction or whatever. But Janet was slammed very hard in the media for it. Justin Timberlake called it a wardrobe malfunction and moved on. He really didn't face the same kind of criticism. Recently, because he's been painted as such a bad guy in the um, Framing Britney Spears documentary, he's gone on to apologize to Janet Jackson in the same message, which to me was like, what? You need to apologize to Britney for way different things you need to apologize to Janet for. Don't squish two major issues into one apology. And it just makes me feel like Justin Timberlake is just complete trash. Like, I think he's somebody who came in, culture appropriated the movement, tried to be R&B, like tried to be that like white chocolate lane. And then as soon as he got on, made his money, he went into movies, he did whatever. And then he just kind of abandoned um, the black community that he stole from. And it's just been ugh, ever since for me with him. And that's just my personal opinion. But anyway, the stylist revealed that Justin Timberlake and Janet together decided that they wanted to do a big splash. And Justin Timberlake in particular wanted to outdo the Britney Spears and Madonna kiss that happened the same year at the VMAs. So if you're not old enough to remember, Britney Spears and Madonna redid Like a Virgin at the 2004 VMAs and they kissed and it was like a huge moment. They had a like superstar performance. Everybody was talking about it for all intents and purposes at the time. It went viral. It was everywhere. And that's what he wanted with his Super Bowl performance with Janet. And that's why he planned it. And it's just annoying because him and his manager at the time, Johnny Wright, are asking for Janet's forgiveness. But he still won't admit to the fact that he let her take heat for a performance that he helped plan, especially one that he wanted to be so over the top and then he couldn't take the over the topness. He wanted something over the top. People are talking about it. That's what you wanted. But then when it actually happened, you couldn't face the heat. And like I said, he's not my favorite person. So I guess we're just going to move on. (laughs) Okay, the last topic. Kid Cudi wears a dress on SNL. Everybody's flipping out. Here we go. So Kid Cudi was on SNL this weekend performing new music. And in one of his sets, he wore a flower dress and he wore it to promote suicide awareness. If you zoom up on the dress, you can see part of the top of the dress had the um the suicide hotline on it. And he also wore it in a tribute to Kurt Cobain, who did commit suicide. And he's a rock star in his own right. If you don't know him, you can go ahead and look him up. He used to wear floral dresses over his clothes as a protest for feminism back when he was, you know, in the height of his fame. 
I just feel like Kid Cudi wanted a viral moment. He definitely got it. I feel like without him wearing a dress, nobody would have been, you know, really talking about this performance. And that's honestly no shade to him, but there's so many performances going on. There's so much stuff all over the internet. You have to do something to make a splash. And I feel like that's what he did. He wanted to have a viral moment. Everybody talking about him. His arms looked great. I think people need to just... You know, I don't know. I think the more that society goes on, the more we're going to blur gender lines till something like this won't be like, wow, wow, wow. He's a black man wearing a dress. Like, it's just, it won't, it'll be people in clothes versus um, men, women, whatever. That's just my opinion on how I think things are going to be. But for now, um, people are definitely like, oh, why they always got to demasculate our black men and things like that. But this is a choice that he chose for his performance and his wardrobe. And you really can't stifle people's creativity because you want them to wear pants. And I think people really need to acknowledge that and think about that a little more. It's not just whatever fashion is art to a lot of these rappers and singers and artists. And this is how they express themselves. So it really doesn't have anything to do with gender norms. Not that it, you know, should or matter or whatever. But anyways, these have been our trending topics this week. Stay tuned for our sports report. Hello, hello, hello out there and welcome to the sports update with J-Rob. Today I will be covering the NBA. So let's get started. I'd like to start with uh, announcing the top three seeds for both the Eastern and the Western Conference. Let's start with the East. The top seed in the Eastern Conference currently is the Philadelphia 76ers. The number two seed in the Eastern Conference is the Brooklyn Nets. And the number three seed currently is the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's move to the Western Conference. The number one seed currently in the Western Conference is the Utah Jazz. The number two seed is the Phoenix Suns. And the number three seed is the Los Angeles Clippers. Each team is making their final playoff push because the 2021 NBA playoffs begin on Saturday, May 22nd. And this has been the sports update with J Rob. Have an awesome week. Okay, T Crew, it is deep dive time. And today we're talking about sisterhood. But um, men that are listening, don't just turn away because you have women in your lives that are either involved in a sisterhood or have questions about sisterhood, or maybe you might have questions about like how female friendships work. So this is still an episode for you and you can learn some great information in it or apply it to your, you know, bro relationships. Like relationships are basically the same at their core, but I think sisterhood is something unique in itself. So let's get into it. So first, let's talk about what sisterhood is. Sisterhood is a bond that involves not only friendship, but kinship. It's basically when you go from being a friend to a family member, you know, someone who's a more permanent fixture in your life that's been in your life for years, or somebody that you met recently that you have like an instant connection with and you just feel like, you know, the two of us are on the same level, same plane. Like, I really feel like this is more than a friendship. That's a, you know, that's sisterhood in my opinion. So 
we're going to get into today, like, why is it so hard? And why do some people have such a hard time keeping female friends? And then I'm going to go through some tips that might help. So I feel like it's so hard because women are just pitted in society to go after each other. You know, men can be friends and brotherly and compete, but at the end of the day, they can shake hands at the end of that competition and move forward with their friendship like nothing's ever happened. I feel like women are always put to be in competition with each other. And sometimes that's so hard to unlearn, um, especially if you have biological sisters or even like cousins or close family members, you're always being compared to them. Oh, like she had longer hair than her or her complexion is different than hers or her skin is different. So they're always comparing women to each other, which makes us feel like we need to compete. And that's why I think sisterhood can be so hard because you can be connecting with somebody, you know, have the most laughs, always have a good time together, something come up, and then all of a sudden you feel yourself in a position or they feel themselves in a position to compete with you. Or you feel like, you know, you're talking about something that's going on in your life and they're talking about something that's going on in their life and you feel like, well, damn, they're doing better than me. Why am I not doing as good as them? And I just think this little ticks that can go back and forth can ruin friendships. And I think that is what makes it so hard. Um, And then there are some people that really, you know, some women who really have a hard time keeping female friends. And I think that can just come from a lot of things. You know, if you just are a person that, and I won't even say like you're selfish, But if you're a person that really is into the things that you're doing and you want to express that and you want to talk about the things that you're doing and the things that you're involved in and you're not so interested in the things of others, like there's some things that you really need to kind of work on if you want to be a good friend. Just like if you want to be good in anything else, it takes practice, um, it takes understanding, and it takes a certain kind of finesse to really... um, work well in a sisterhood because when it's more than just a friendship, these aren't relationships that you're willing to let go. So you're going to have ups and downs that you're going to have to work through. Um, and it can be very, very challenging. Um, but also so rewarding and so worth it. If you can get into a good groove with your friends and everybody understands everybody and you call out things as they need to be called out, and you let certain things rock, you pick your battles. I mean, it's literally like any other relationship, you know? So let's get into some of these tips for how to maintain your sisterhoods. So the first one, um, someone can't be there for you every time you need them. And I feel like that one is the top one and the most important in my eyes, because sometimes I think someone can be there for you nine times out of 10. And on that 10th time, you're just like, you're not a real friend. You didn't show up for me. And I feel like even though in the moment you can feel that way, I think later when you've calmed down and, you know, you've been able to process everything, you can really think about the fact that it's not humanly possible for someone to be there for you every single time you need them. And this is why you have other friends, other support systems, your faith, if you're religious, but it's, this is why you have other things that are made up of your support system, because you can't put that much weight 
on a friendship and expect it to last because you have to remember if you're putting that kind of weight on them they're going to expect that kind of thing from you and you already know how busy you are and everything else that you have to do you can't be there every time you need them but in saying that in the same vein when you can be there and when you've made time and when you're able to do it and you've taken time for yourself and you've made time, set time aside to be there for somebody, you should be there for them when you can because you do expect it at times, but it just can't be every time. So that's the number one tip. And I think that one is just, if you can master that one, then you'll have friends for life, I feel. Because I think so often we get upset with people not showing up for us for one or two times. They could be big events like birthday parties, weddings, christenings, you know, vacations or whatever. And you just think in your mind, like, how could this person not show up for me in this big moment? But, you know, you don't know every second of everybody's day. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what their week looked like. You don't know what the things that they're protecting you from that's happening in their private life. So you really just can't assume that it's a personal dig to you. It could really just honestly be something going on with them, you know, and it's important to be considerate of that. So the second thing is meet people where you where they are. If you cannot be the, if they cannot be the friend that you want them to be, then you have to let them go. So meet people where they are basically means, you know, if you have a friend that you can't take to the mall because every five seconds she's asking you to get her something or, you know, you guys tempt each other and you spend all this money together and all this stuff, then it's just like you have to know what friends you, you know, what activities are good for certain friends. Certain friends can't go on vacation together. You know what I mean? Certain friends can't do road trips. (laughs) certain friends can't do, you know, double dates or meetups with their partners. You know, you just have to know where your friends are and you have to meet them where they are. And then the second half of the second of the second tip is that if you can't meet somebody where they are, then you might have to let them go. And that's with no type of, you know, animosity or feeling against them. But you really may have to be like, you know what? We have either grown apart as friends and we just don't see eye to eye anymore, or we're just not at a place where we can be in a healthy friendship. And I think that we should just go our separate ways. There's nothing wrong with saying that because honestly, if you've met somebody where they are and you still can't see eye to eye, it's possible you guys just outgrew each other or you're going on separate life tracks where it just doesn't make sense for you guys to be as close as you once were. And that's absolutely fine. It's really fine. And it's something that when you get older, you start to realize that some people in your life for certain periods and they might not be in your life for others, but it doesn't mean you know, that there was anything disingenuous about the friendship that you used to have. It just means it's changed and now it's different. And you guys can both accept that or you can move on, you know, and it's about maturity and really understanding the difference. The third is take breaks before getting bitter and vengeful. So if you guys get into an argument and something happens and you guys are really just at each other's throat, there is nothing wrong with taking a break. And these tips are for maintaining sisterhoods, right? So you want to maintain what you have with this person, but at the same time, just the sight of their name on your phone right now is making you sick because it happens because we're only human. And sometimes you get so upset with people, even people that you love. 
that you just cannot come to grips with it. Take a break. You know, like, I love you, sis. I love you down. But I think I just need a week to process everything we said the last time we talked. And in a week, if you just give me some time, I'll let you know where I'm at. I might need a little more time or I may be ready to talk. You just, you know, let put it out there. Put out there how you're feeling, what your expectations are, and when you're ready to regroup with them and, and start fresh from there. Um, the next tip, don't keep score. Whew. Don't keep score. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you want to maintain your sisterhood, if you want to maintain your friendship, do not keep score. When somebody does something that, you know, you don't like or something that you do like, or when you go out of your way for someone or they go out of their way for you, be happy in the moment or check them in the moment if you need to. But if you keep score, you'll never be happy in a friendship because you're always going to keep going back to that. Well, I remember when you did this and I remember when you did that, especially in a sisterhood, you guys have been friends for years and years and years. And even if it's a short time span that you've been friends, you've been together time after time after time after time. So so it's only natural that things are going to go up, things are going to go down. And if you're keeping score, you just, it's, it's going to eat away at you and you won't be able to maintain the friendship. So don't keep score. And then the very last tip I have is just be honest about your feelings and address issues as soon as you possibly can ASAP. When your feelings are hurt, you have to be honest with your close friends about that. You cannot let it fester. You cannot let it go on and on days and weeks until it just boils over and you tell them how you really feel. You have to address it ASAP because sometimes people don't know that they've hurt you. They can't tell your feelings. They don't know what you need as a friend. And they'll just think, you know, you're pulling away because you're busy at work or maybe you met somebody or you're in a new relationship. You can't assume that, you know, if you just withdraw that they'll pull in and ask you what they did or what happened. You have to be honest and you have to take control of your own emotions and you have to put your big girl panties on (laughs) and tell your close friend, hey, you hurt me when you did this. It really cut me deep. And honestly, I need to be honest about that because I can't move forward until I talk about how you hurt me. And they might not think of it that way, but if they're as close a friend as you think, they'll definitely take in what you said and have some type of response for you. Hopefully, you know, an apology or at least an acknowledgement of how they made you feel and you guys can start to move on from there, but you can't move on if you haven't been honest about the way that you feel. Um, and there's so many others, but I thought those top five were definitely helpful. And I do feel like every woman should be in a tribe and should have a sisterhood because sometimes you just need your girls, you know? So if you're a woman that has trouble making female friends, you know, go the extra mile, follow the tips, you know, take breaks and do the things and see if you can really keep a few, I mean, you won't have many, you will not have many, but see if you can keep a few close friends. Cause you need that, you know, even if you do have a spouse and a support system and God, sometimes you just need someone to sit there and talk to you and really have a conversation with you and just kiki like girls do. Um, so I'm wishing you guys all the best. I hope these tips help a lot and stay tuned for our outro comments. 
Okay, T-Crew, this is my least favorite part of the podcast where I have to say goodbye to you. Thank you so much to all of you who've been liking and sharing the podcast, participating on our Instagram and Facebook pages. We really appreciate it. As always, arrest the cops that killed Brianna Taylor. We won't stop until she gets the justice that she deserves. Have a beautiful day or night wherever you are. And I love you for listening. Bye.